purposes. God created a perfect environment. He created a perfect man and a perfect woman, and he had a perfect environment. Can you imagine what it is, ladies? You didn't have to go to work. And men, you work and you didn't even sweat. No stress. Wasn't that fun? Everything was provided. And then to top it all, the God of the universe, the God who keeps things flowing, everything in the galaxy, nothing falling out, would come down and hang out with you at the end of the day? You couldn't want better than that. And what do you know? The woman decided to mess up. And the man followed happily after. Come on, gentlemen, you could smile because you did. And so, we end up having big problems today. What was perfect in the beginning became messed up. Thank you, Sister Pam. Somebody over there get it? Became messed up because of sin. But God wasn't taken by surprise by that either. Because God doesn't wait for things to happen. God doesn't use a calendar. He doesn't use a clock. Everything is open to God from beginning to end. He knows what will be before it even happens. So he made a plan. So from the foundations of the world, he had the church. So we read in Genesis 3.15 that God told the serpent who had tempted the woman, the devil was in the serpent, that the seed of the woman would crush his head, one translation, some say bruise it, and then he, the devil, would strike the heel of that woman's seed. And what is interesting there is that the very object of the sin, the woman, is now the tool that God uses to bring redemption. Ladies, you could give God a hand. Isn't that awesome? Come on. You mess up and everybody discard you. But isn't it awesome that the eternal God chose to use a woman because the seed didn't come from the man. And as we'll talk about later on, we'll see that the Holy Ghost was involved in that. So she messed up. She could have been totally condemned, but God. But God. And every day we live, God, who could condemn us, offers us mercy because we mess up. Isn't that an awesome thing? Others write us off. Family members even write us off sometimes. But isn't it awesome that even in our worst state, God sees hope. And he turns our failure, our weakness to good. So the woman became the incubator of redemption. The very one that was a vehicle that caused the sin to happen. Awesome. So let's look at the promise. Because God made a promise way back. And we want to look at it because we want to get the idea that the church is not man's idea. Therefore, we cannot treat the church the way we do. Because it's not man's church. It is God's church. It is God's idea. So then, we find God saying to one man, Abram, that he called out and he wanted to bless him and use him. He said, and in thy seed, notice, no plural, shall all the families of the earth 
be blessed. He repeats it in chapter 22, in chapter 6. He says, all the nations of the world, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through thy seed. And it's been proven through scriptures all the way down. At that time, by the way, Abraham didn't have any children. He was not a daddy. His wife was old, menopausal, no hope for any children. And God is saying, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's been traced that that seed is Jesus Christ. So that ties up with our Genesis 3.15. Then Isaiah the prophet goes on to tell us, God said to them through the prophet, the Lord himself, the Lord himself is going to do the unusual. Never has it been heard in the world that somebody can get pregnant without a man involved. Hello. And God said, he himself will give you a sign. He said that to the king, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. And Emmanuel means God with us. God is with us. We are very blessed that God is with us. Because there are only two kinds of people back then. You either were a Jew or a... They actually didn't honor us and call us Gentile. They had another name, a three-letter. Dogs. That's what they call everybody else. You're a Jew or you're a dog. But isn't that awesome? That God made it that he's with us. We who are Gentiles cast off. And I want you to consider this. 2,000 years ago, no telephone, no internet, no typewriter, no post office. And yet, let's pause and think. No airplanes. that God caused the gospel to be preserved and the message to come from so far to reach us wherever part of the world we're from. The same disciples that today we can gather, people of all sorts of backgrounds, different ethnicities, different social statuses, different educational levels, we can gather together as one under the blood of Jesus. We should give God praise for that. That's an awesome thing. No telephone. No mail. But God. Because the church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. And you're going to see later on, it gets even deeper. So he promised. And then we have Jesus. Telling the disciples in Luke 24, now he was born, he was going to be crucified. They had to carry on, and he says, But tarry, Luke 24, tarry until you receive power. Tarry, wait until you receive power. Wait. And then in Acts 1, many of us are familiar with Acts 1, we don't know Luke. 24 that much but acts 1 5 and verse 8 chapter 1 verses 5 and verse 8 famous jesus told them he had already risen from the dead he knew he had to go he kept telling them but he was preparing a team a ministry team that would carry on think about it 
And he told them, John, you can read with me. It's right up there. Free read. Come on. You don't even have to turn your Bible. Just read from the screen. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my or witnesses to me. So the reason they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that they would be witnesses. Everything else is a, 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 a brought up, as we say in the island, extra. But the real reason is that they would be witnesses for him. And now you know you have your bulletin with space to write. It's a good thing to write the scriptures down. You may need them later on. I said that the whole idea of the church is God's idea. So we can't do with this church, and we are the church, which means we can't do with ourselves whatever we want. I mean, we're getting there because it's God's church. We're the church, remember? It's not the building. So when we say the church, we're talking about ourselves. We can't do just as we please because being in the church, a part of the church, it's not man's idea, but God's idea. Right from the start, we see that there's a partnership. So there is a promise. We, saw, we just gave you a few in the interest of time. But there's also a partnership. The whole triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are involved. You see, each part of the work that happens that we experience and we read in the Bible, a member of the Godhead leads the way, but they all work together. So with the church, Jesus is the one that is the lead guy, but they all work together. It is the Father who sends Jesus, the Holy Spirit who empowers Jesus. So from the beginning, just think about this. This matter of the church was so critical to God. He didn't trust it to men to do it. Did you realize he came down himself? Hey, you know, we read and we don't get it. He didn't trust us. God himself came on earth in the form of a man so that he could set up his church so we could be redeemed. So think of Philippians chapter 2. Jesus laid aside his glory, humbled himself, became as man. Can you picture picture Queen Elizabeth coming here and she's sweeping out there or I want you to picture that or something but it's even worse because he became a helpless baby just like any other baby going through the birth canal has to be diapered has to be breastfed the son of God just for love's sake. How many of us would put ourselves through the extreme even when we claim to love? But God so loved that he became incarnate. He came like us so that we could come to him. And I remember years ago I read this story and I told at 8 o'clock I don't bring stories and I don't give jokes. I just come with the word. But this just came back to me. I remember it was a Christmas time and I read this story. This man was not saved. His wife went to church. He was home. It was a place with winter in the Midwest. And this penguin was at his windowsill trying to get in, trying to get in. 
He did everything trying to help the bird because the snow was falling. The bird just, every time he tried to go out at the bird, was scared and went away. And he had a thought. So he created a thing to look like a penguin. And he went outside and the penguin came to him because he looked like one. So he brought the penguin to safety. That's what Jesus did. He became like us so we could become like him. What an awesome thing. What a prize. The church isn't man's idea. So the Holy Spirit was there at conception. Remember the angels told Mary? You're going to be pregnant. You're going to carry the Son of God. She said, get out of here. What are you talking about? I'm a virgin. That never happened before. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come over you. And you'll conceive. And that which is inside of you will be God. He was there at the baptism with Jesus. The Father was there. John bore witness. He said, the heavens open, and the Spirit of God came down at him, on him like a dove, and the voice came from heaven and said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was coming out of the water, being baptized. He didn't need to be baptized. He was setting an example for us. He was there when Jesus was getting ready for service. If you remember after he was baptized, he just didn't sit still. He set an example for us. The scripture said the spirit of God led him into the wilderness, anointing him to be ready for the crucifixion, for the whole process of suffering that he would go through. Then at his crucifixion, and that's his resurrection. The spirit of God is there. If you remember on the cross, Jesus felt like God had abandoned him. Do you remember he said, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? God turned his face as he took our sins. Perhaps the only time he never saw his face. And sometimes we're going through stuff. And we don't sense God's presence as other times. And we wonder, God, where are you? But he never goes. He promised. He said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. And he cannot lie. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man. He says, I'll be with you always. What he says, he really means. When the centurion Roman pagan centurion saw the show that God put on after his son took the last breath. You've got to get in the story. Think about it. It's in the middle of the day. Sun was shining. Everything became pitch black. Earthquake. Lightning show. The most sacred place in the temple. The holy place curtain that blocked ordinary eyes ripped okay you could understand if it ripped from the bottom but the unusual is that it ripped from the top only God could rip it from the top so pleased was he with his son so much in partnership was he 
the church was going to be born. So all the way they're in partnership. And Jesus prayed the same for us in the church. Before he left, he said, Father, I pray that they'll be one, even as we are one. Folks, the church is God's idea. It's not ours to do as we will. And we are the church, meaning we can't just do what we want when we want. Because the church is his. We're his. The problem is the culture has crept into the church so subtly and is making many of us anemic. Because we're eating what the culture says and not the word of God. You see, the word of God is life, it's medicine, it's food. The culture kills. Jesus says, I am come to give life, not just ordinary life, but abundant life. But the thief doesn't do that. The thief comes to steal. Not only that, he's not satisfied. He comes to kill, and he's still not satisfied. When he's finished, they can't recognize you. You get it? But he doesn't come and say, I'm going to kill you. He comes with subtle suggestions. And we hear it in the media. We see it on Twitter. We get it in school and college. We eat it, and we're not eating the word of God. So guess what? We are what? We eat. Spiritually and physically. We eat badly, we become anemic. We eat spiritually badly, we're going to become spiritually anemic that can lead us to become apostates. Jesus is speaking to his church today. It is time to wake up. 13.5 ask us, examine ourselves. See where we are. We're closer than when we first. Said, up on this rock, I will build my church. The fact that he's the head of it. He's the Messiah. He's the chief cornerstone. And what does he say there about the gates of hell? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Are you a part of the church? Prevail against you because you're his church. It's not the building. It's not even when you're coming. I read a little bit of it before. It was very funny. I told the 8 o'clock service. This verse, it, look at what it says. Read with me. Christ is...
He's the church and he's the savior of the body. Now, the three verses I read earlier, I heard some of you snickering. The interesting thing, would you believe that God sandwiched this in between telling men how to be nice to their wives? That's where it is. Go back and read it. It's shocking. And he says, just as he is good to the church. You see, God doesn't bully the church. You're very quiet. But the truth shall set us free. He doesn't bully the church. If God bullied the church, every time people are disciplined and they decide to just walk away, he would have a big stick at the door and say, go back. <laughs> but they go. You just look around, where's so-and-so? Oh, I'm going to another church. But how can you do that if you're the body of Christ and Christ didn't send you there? Because Christ is right where you left. Hello? I had a director of nursing and they had a, 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 a practice. Every group that's graduating, they'd come and give you that final speech. And I'll never forget, I took away what she said. We were young, going out in the world to work. And she said, everywhere you go, if you find that you have challenges, you're the problem. Hello? You're the common factor I've never forgotten. I have to check myself first because when you leave, you go somewhere else, they have a little saying, you jump on a frying pan into the, guess where is hotter? The fire, that's why the frying pan is on top of the fire. But where is body? So unless he sends us, how are we gonna walk, a headless body? If he's not the head going with us, then that means we're dead. You see, the nervous system controls everything in your body. The nervous system, believe it or not, controls how you breathe. The rate of breathing, your heart rate, your nervous system, and your brain. That goes, forget it. Forget it, baby. You're a donor. Hello. That's why when people have strokes, depending on where they have it, how serious it is, they're looking at you, nice professor. We had a wonderful gentleman who used to be here, come and visit us from Tuskegee University, professor, doctor of whatever, teaching accounting, mathematics. He got a stroke in his office, never speaking again. He hears us, he understands us, not a word. The area that was strict is the speech center. Some other people, they can talk, but it's nonsense. What we call word salad. They're talking, but it doesn't make sense. So if you have a body without a head, we're kind of dead, right? So when we run off and do our own thing, the head is not with us. Because the head is holy. The head is righteous. The head is peace-loving. The head is unifying. The head serves. So where is body? 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, not only are we his body, but we are his fellow workers. And it says, we are God's field. We are also God's building. What do you do with a building? You dwell in it, right? A building is made so it can be occupied for whatever purpose, but it's occupied. 
So it says, the scripture says, we're God's building. So if God is holy, God is righteous, God is ever-present, we're his body, his building, what on earth are we doing being anemic? Because he's healthy. He's healthy. So what's going on? What are we feeding on? The idea of the church, it's not man's idea. The prophets talked about it. Joel, 800 years before the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, he made this declaration. And read with me, please. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit and all flesh. I didn't put all of the verses. There are three verses. It's going to take up too much of the slide space. But when you go on to read the rest of the verses, it talks about even the servant, the slave. We need to understand. You see, the culture tells us lyingly, because you and I from our experiences know it's not true. Oh, everybody's equal. Really? So why do they walk behind some people in the store? You go to buy and you can't even look. Can I help you? Can I help you? Uh, if that's the truth. Why, why are they doing that? And, and why when I walk in Pembroke Gardens and I see some little young teenager, all of a sudden a police squad comes up. He's just walking. He just looks different. Just a different shade. Why? There's a squad drive up beside him. He's not troubling anybody. So it's not true. But Jesus, he is the equalizer. Look at what Zechariah prophesied. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day. And they too will be my people. That's God speaking through the prophet. That's what we are. We're Gentiles, cast off. But God wants to build one family, one body, one family. Common thread, the blood of Jesus. Faith in his son from all over the universe. I remember the first time I went to Haiti. I was a young woman in Bible school and I felt God wanted me to go there. Neither knew French nor anyone there. My dean freaked out. He said, you're a young lady, you can't go. I said, God says I'm to go. So I'm going. I went. I didn't know a word of Creole. But when they worshipped, I connected. I was just weeping. I was worshipping with them. We were one. But I didn't know their language. But we had a common head and a common spirit. And that's what God desires to do with each of us. Isaiah says, so it shall be in that day. The great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are ab about to perish in the land of Assyria. And they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount. His people who were taken away. And there are many more that talk about the nations. The nations that will come and serve God together. Let's move on. Because we want to ask a question. So, what are the marks that were in the early church that made them so different? That they had no internet, no telephone, no telegraph, no newspaper. 
but yet God used them to take the gospel across the vast oceans and 2,000 years all over the world, all over the known world, receive the gospel, whether they still have it today. See, the first community of believers, had a, a couple of M's, I made it simple, some M's. Their message, they had one message. The message was about Jesus, the promised one. They didn't preach politics. They didn't preach what was in the newspaper. Their message was Christocentric. It was about one thing. The son of God who was murdered, who is and was the Messiah, the Redeemer, and that salvation only came through him. One message. They use every opportunity. If you look at uh, the scriptures there, if you read it when you go home, every time something happened, whether they performed a miracle and the crowds gathered, it's like, what happened? They said, we didn't do it through our... They said, by what power did... They said, through the name of Jesus. It was an opportunity to share. God is giving many of us opportunities to share. When he blesses you, it's not to brag on your neighbor. It's when your neighbor says, what's up? You say, Jesus. And they're like, Jesus? So you say, yes. I prayed. I was in hard. And I asked him. And he helped me. Oh, you were sick. And the church prayed for you as we do for many of you. You get better. It's not your good doctor. The doctor is an instrument of God. You tell your neighbor, I was sick, but Jesus touched me, gave my doctor wisdom and insight. We've had situations, I could tell you, testimonies. Women whose cervix was too short, they put them on bed rest, they can't get up for months. We pray for them. Tuesday morning prayer meeting. They go back to the doctor. I don't know what's wrong. Your cervix is longer. What is this? My church is prayed. I don't believe that nonsense, but your cervix is longer. <laughs> it's very funny. And we're praying specifically. Then finally when the doctor says, I'm going to deliver this baby. It's not time for the baby. The baby won't come. So you send her, get out of here. Just go walk up and down, do whatever. Same woman who was on bed rest. We said when the baby's time, Jesus is going to let the baby come. Baby come out healthy as an ox. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> he sent her home. He tried every drug to induce labor. I know you won't believe it. I'm also part of the medical team. Very well trained. Nothing happened because we were praying and we say it's not time. We have more than that. We have them come in the night, fill her with drug, keep the baby. Some of our little children you see up here. And I tell the mother, don't let them do that to you. It's not time. The baby's going to come when it's time. Doctor doesn't want to come out trying to let you keep your baby. It is time the baby's going to come. Baby, come because God say yes. Nobody can say no. Hello. It's testimony so you can share. You get an opportunity when your neighbors say, how did you do that? You say, Jesus did it. Jesus, look for opportunity. Like the apostles, everything. How did you do this? In the name of Jesus. What? How are you so bold? In the name of Jesus. By the power of the spirit. We have the same spirit. We have the same head. It's the same Jesus. He did not migrate. He's still less in America. He's here. He hasn't lost his power. He's not intimidated by the culture. He's the same Jesus. He's the same Jesus. He wants to do the same thing through us as he did through them. But we have to get 
her diet changed. They had the message. It was Christocentric. They were ministry-oriented. If I ask a question, how many of you have been coming here for so long? What area of ministry are you in? They didn't get saved to sit around. They had a purpose. God saves us through a purpose. Or as you take us to heaven right away, kill us. But our main purpose here is to be what? Do you remember the word you read? Starts with W. To be witnesses. He empowers us to be witnesses. So if I drive my car, because I have a car, and I come to church, and as church is over, I run out for no reason. I don't like people. May not say it, but that's how we behave. I don't want to mix with anybody. Church people. That's not what the head says. The head says we should not forsake the assembling of each other together and we must stir up each other unto good work while it is yet day. So I need you, sister. You have such a beautiful smile. I need you. You, you. Beautiful smile. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And what God did in 1 Corinthians 12, they say he has given gifts to everybody. Every single person has a gift. Your gift is not mine. Mine may not be yours. Are we all musicians? No. So who would speak? Who would run technology? Who would show you where to park? Who would sweep? Who would welcome you when you come in? Who would offer you hospitality in the hospitality room? Who would do the follow-up call to call you if everybody's gift was just to play? I'm just a musician. I don't do anything else. The worst one, I don't have any gifts. Liar, liar, catch on fire. We all have gifts. We may not want what he's given us, but he's given every one of us at least one. Let me tell you something I learned a few months ago. It was very weird how it happened. We were trying to do the 25th anniversary magazine, and this dear lady came two consecutive Tuesdays. She got about 17 ads. She went near and far. She called up everybody. And someone came in there, and she made a joke. She was laughing. And she said, see, she has the gift. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart right then. I'd never thought of it. I wish I'd thought of that line all along, all these years. And he said to her, that's what happened to the guy with one talent. He did just that. He said, I only have one. He got five. He got two. I'm burying that stuff. I'm not doing a thing. Do you get it? So I came in Bible study and I told him, do you know God moved upon hearts? One of my favorite little ladies, I don't think she's here now. She probably came at eight. She called me at nine o'clock the next morning. And she said, I am sorry. She's about 70. She said, I promise God I would do whatever. And I've been sitting on. But I've gone. I called several people already. I'm like, it's 9 o'clock. I did. And she has to drive miles. By 11 o'clock, she was here with ads and cash. That brought tears to my heart. Because I never thought of it that way. The lady was joking. Oh, see, she got the talent. 
and bloated. That's what happens when we sit on the one. Do you remember what God did? The master, who is representative of God, he said, take the one he has and give it to who? The one that had the most. No, we, with our greater sense of justice and righteousness, we say, but God, that's not fair. That one of five already, ten as a matter of fact. How are you going to give him another one? Well, you know what the scriptures actually say about the gift, the talents? God gives as the person is able. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows why he gives the one five, because that one is going to work it. He knew why he gave the other one two, because that one can handle two. You get it? He gave one because that's all that lazy bone didn't even handle. <laughs> he buried it. I'm not doing a thing. Watch me and him. I'm not doing a thing. Folks, what I'm trying to do today, through the spirit of God, is to stir us on to do and to be what God has called us to be, the church, his body. Because a lot of us are spiritually anemic. And some of us are on the verge of dropping out. The people don't know it. Because we smile and we open the Bible and we play the part. Do you understand? Faking it, charade. But why play charade when we have the power of God to live victoriously? To be his true body, to be productive, to touch lives. And by the way, we don't have forever. We don't have forever. My sister-in-law's dad was 92, but not a lot of people get that. We have buried 17-year-old from the church. We have buried two-week-old. We have buried 15-year-old. We have buried 42, 47. Not a lot of people live to 92. Why would we waste the gift of time that he gives us to be productive? And he's not sending us by ourselves. He empowers us with the Holy Ghost. He's with us, cheering us along. And we let the world come in and sabotage our lives. We can't give that excuse because we have the word to guide us. So they're on a mission. One mission, witness. Tell everybody, tell everybody. As soon as, tell everybody, tell, do not be silent. I am shy. Well, he gives boldness. Let me take you back a little and remind you what happened to these guys after Jesus was crucified. They were hiding. They were scared. They were under lockdown. You know, lockdown, bolt the door, the big bar, no lamps on. They didn't have electricity. I know what that is. I come from a little island. And this is many years ago. It's not now. I left a long time. And I remember hearing the gunshot. And I did not live in the hoods. I live in the burbs. And we had to go on the floor. You dare not dial the phone because it was the one that got chilling. Shilling. Anybody? You too, young. Shilling. And you're scared that the man out there with his machine gun is going to hear it. Because everything's it's magnified. It's night. And you hear they're stealing your windshield out of your car. And that's in the burbs. And you go on the floor. 
Could they not shoot him down? They shoot kind of up. Hello. They were on a lockdown like that. No light. They're hiding. They were scared to death. What's the difference then after the day of Pentecost? What's the difference when the Holy Ghost filled them? Because they already know Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, the boldness. Hallelujah, sister. The boldness. God has the same gift. Peter says to them, this is for you and for your children, to them that are near and to them that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What are you waiting for? Being powerless, being inactive. Think of what we can do together for the kingdom of God. Think of the many neighbors here who don't know Jesus. Think of them in your own neighborhood. We've never said a word. So what if they reject you? Did you to Jesus? But what if they say yes? You have a 50% probability to say yes or no. What, what, what do we have to lose? Our Savior went through so much, being spat on, being beaten. All for love's sake. We're his body. He loves the people. He loves them. He loves them. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants to save them. The last M there was their manner. If you look at Acts 2 and verse 40, it should be focused on Acts 2 to 5, mostly. You know what they did? When they received Jesus, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had all things in common. The scripture said, they acted as if they owned nothing. Those who had land sold to help the poor. You must remember what happened. It was the day of Pentecost, and people came from 17 nations are listed there at 17 different languages. They didn't go back home. They only came with the bag. There was no Dempsey or Samsonite. They didn't have bank card. They just came to Pentecost to go back to these countries, but they got saved. So they stayed here, and the first day, 3,000 souls were saved. The marvel is these uneducated men never learned a foreign language, never went to school. Fishermen, roughneck, cuss bad word. God gave them the gift of language. Not just Greek. Greek was common. Aramaic was common. Hebrew was common. We got to read with understanding. What the people heard was their specific dialect from their part of the world. You know, some of us come from different islands and we call things differently. You picture me telling you something in detail about Guyana and speaking in some kind of dialect in some neighborhood. That's what it was. That's what frightened the people. They said, what is this? And Peter used the opportunity, as I said, every time to tell them good news. So 3,000 got saved one time. They shared. They had love. People saw the fruit of the spirit. They weren't eating up each other. They didn't come to church and they're malicing each other. They were hospitable. Okay, people can pass you. They don't mean anything. I had a man from the church. I was in the grocery store and it's two doors. And I'm going through it and he's coming straight in my face. And he's straight ahead. And I'm like, ah! And he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't see Sister Francis. He didn't. He was looking straight at me, but he was not looking at me. Now, if I walked away, I could say, he and I buck up at the door. You know what he did? He just kept walking. He didn't even see me, but... 
we're faced like this, his mind is somewhere else. Sometimes we see people, they're having their troubles. They're not even thinking about us. They don't see us, but we leave. You'd never believe. She just passed me like that. And she don't say, dog. <laughs> Come on, folks, we need to grow up. So if she's passing you, you say hello. I always ask her, did you say hello? That's what I did. I'm like, hi, because I see he's right here. He didn't see me. We need to grow up. Stop drinking milk and start eating meat. It is time. Think about your children. You raise them. You have some four-year-old. All they want is your breast. What are they doing with breast at that time? That's exactly what it is. Some of us have been years and we still have the bottle. And we went. My binky. Spiritual binky? No, you need to eat meat. You're big now. Grow up so you won't be spiritually anemic. God is a work for us, and we can't do it if we're spiritually anemic. We won't have any strength. No one would even see it. We're discolored. They're wondering, what's wrong with them? They look sick. That's what they see us. Spiritually sick. Hello? The sinners are diagnosing us by our behavior. We don't want them to do that. So, I'm wrapping up. I'm not finished. I'm not doing what the preacher is telling you. Yeah, I'm finishing. No, I'm going to finish, but not yet. But I'm coming on that road now. I'm on the avenue. Literally, I know this is my last thing. No, it's not my last thing. I hate when they do that. I'm almost done, but I'm not there. So some words I want to throw at you to think about. Some may be saved a long time. And the way it's supposed to go, the natural progression, is the longer we know him, you know the song? The longer I serve thee, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love thee, more love he bestows. But, well, I wasn't going any further, but thanks, V. But you should come help me sing. But anyway, I didn't know my niece could sing that long. I never grew up with her. She's nicely saved, praise God. She has a good voice. That's what should happen. But what we're, ha what we're finding is that in life, there's a natural progression of things to disintegrate. Same thing in our marriages. If you don't guard your marriage, you can't believe. In no time, you marry 30 odd years, 40 years, and you're like, who is that? You're living in the same house. You did nothing to stoke up that fire. So it gradually falls apart. Now, ladies, you can identify with this better. How many of you ever had some shoes in there that you never wore for a long time? It looked good, and when you took it out, what happened? It's rot. <laughs> I was shocked that happened to me. The shoe looked good. And when you try to put it on, just disintegrate. That's entropy. Things naturally. You don't have to do anything bad to them. Just time if you don't maintain it. Maybe if I took it out, gave air, wore it sometimes, it would still be there. I didn't even think about it. I forget the shoe. It fall apart. And I'm like, wow. That's what happened to our lives. That's why you can't stay by yourself. That's why you can't just withdraw when you feel like. That's why you can't just miss prayer, Bible study, and your own personal devotional time. That's what made the early church so powerful. They abide in the presence of God. Daily, 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 folks. Not on Sundays. It's not enough. Daily, the scripture says, 
every day. And they got together and they encouraged each other. They broke bread. They broke the word. They were in prayer. I don't want to ask how many of you have been to prayer meeting over the last several months. Because you've been missing. And I see a war against prayer. Prayer is one of the most integral things that Christians need to grow. You need the word, you need prayer, and you need fellowship. Those are the three key things. And that's why God had them there. They broke bread, they were together, they prayed, and they got in the word. Folks, the enemy will tell you always how tired you are. That's a favorite game. Pastor, he does a better job at um, demonstrating what that looks like. But seriously, he'll always come and tell you how you need more rest. You'll rest your way into another place. Not another church. You know what I'm talking about? Because he's trying to weaken us. You become spiritually anemic until you're wondering, why am I do even doing this? You have to have purpose. You gain purpose by drawing close to God, being in fellowship with the brethren, being used of God to serve in the body. Anywhere you go, it's not living word. This is God's design. He has a new family. How does it feel when some of your family members sit back and they do nothing? They always run to the table first. They don't help to wash the dishes. You have to be literally, you know, arresting them to do it sort of thing. It doesn't feel good. But family members who work together, doesn't it feel better? Everybody does their share. That's what God designs. So how do we cure spiritual anemia? Last slide. So clever. <laughs> yeah, last line. The first thing that Peter said, because the people had crucified Jesus, many of them had joined with their leaders, and they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were being so religiously perfect, but they missed it. We can miss it. It's the same people who are studying God's word, the same word that we have, no new word except the New Testament. They had the same Old Testament that explained everything about him, that he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, all the things that he did. He said to them, okay, if you don't believe what I say, look at the works that I do. Because nobody can do that unless they come from God. Raising the dead, open blind eyes, heal the sick, all the things that he did and such wisdom. They refused to believe. Their hearts are so hard. Sometimes we can sit and we refuse to believe and to grow. What they said when they heard Peter's message, what shall we do? He says, repent for the remission of your sins. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Some of us have not had a time of refreshing. We don't know what that is. Our lives have been less than vanilla because we're not getting in the word. We're more of the world, less of him. The more of him we have, that's where the joy comes. We want the joy. We want the joy of the Lord. It doesn't come without activity. His activity, his word, his love letter to us. The next thing we need to do, and it's not so much you, those who teach the word, but yes, when you're sharing with your neighbors, I'll show you the connection. We want to restore Christ to the center of all our conversation. So instead of, you know, I have had friends who attacked me because I said, all leaders are allowed there by God, bad or good. Romans 13 says that. It says it. I don't have to agree with them. That's what the word of God says. And my job is to pray. They're like, that could never be. You 
Christians. That's what the word of God says. So what do we do? We join with the world and we do contrary to what God says. It doesn't bring a blessing. It says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Not the sinners, the church, this body. Then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I will heal their land. Where do you hear it say anything about you bashing anybody? And then 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. It says we are to pray for men everywhere and for those who are in authority. And in the end of it, it said that they may make just laws that we live quiet and peaceable lives with all reverence because God desires them to be saved. God loves everybody. He doesn't discriminate. It's hard because the world is telling, no, that's a bad one. This is a good one. That's no, we're all sinners without Jesus. But our job as a church is to shed the light of Jesus in our conversation. So when our neighbors and our family members come, we must know the word that we give them the word. It doesn't mean that you agree with what the person is saying. Give the word. It's your opportunity to shine for Jesus. We need to refill from the source of power, the Holy Spirit. Ask him. We pray for healing. We pray for blessing. We pray for success. Why not pray that he would fill us? Ephesians says, be ye being filled. It's continuous. It's not a one-time experience where you threw yourself on the floor and you blah, 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 and it's over. No. Rattling tongues is not it. It is the power of God that is evident to transform us. It must change our way of thinking. It must change our conduct. It must change the way we deal with one another. Those are the marks of the early church, folks. And that's the fourth point, to return to Acts 2.41. That's what Acts 2.41 is. They loved, they cared for each other, they shared with each other. And the last point, bullet point, we need to revive witnessing. We don't have a choice. The last thing Jesus told his disciples, 500 of them, not the 12, they were gathered there at the Mount of Olivet. He told them, meet them there. He told them as he was ascending. He says, all authority and power is given to me. Go in therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then he says, lo, I'm with you always. We don't go alone. We need to revive witnessing. That's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We need to revive witnessing. Begin where we are. That's what he told them. Begin where you are. They're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents your family members. Don't be shy. If they laugh at you, don't worry. They're observing the changes in your life. And they laugh at you, God will bless you that they'll stop laughing. And they'll want to know what is the difference. Then you go to the in-laws, the extended family. The colleagues, the neighbors. And if God so allow you to go further, you do. But it begins at home. Right at home first. God wants us to be spiritually healthy. I challenge you today, as the body of Jesus, he's the head, we're the body. He loves us. He wants a healthy body. It is time to become spiritually healthy 
it's time if you're experiencing some anemic reaction and you know your interest is less. It's not fun anymore to come to church. It's boring. It's boring because you're only coming on Sunday or whenever you come. You have to feed on the word. First time I came to this country, my friend offered me grits. It tasted nasty. But she keeps saying, try it again. Try it. I love grits. I can't get my husband to taste it. <laughs> I say, if you do, you love it. It's so delicious, a good bowl of grits. I can't get him to touch it. No matter what I say, he said, good for you. <laughs> Some of us do that. You're doing that in your heart right now. And you're saying, good for you. No, God wants to bless all of us, all of us, and use us. Can we stand together? I want you to pause for a moment. You know yourself. I told you first, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 before. Examine yourself. See if you're still in the way. I don't judge you. The Spirit of God and the Word does that. I don't. That's not my mission. My mission is to share and to tell you what God says so you can act upon it. We're all in the same way. We all need His need power and His strength. So I want to pause and ask the Spirit of God to search our hearts. Be honest with yourself because He knows where you are. He knows where I am. We don't fool Him. Some people try that didn't work. He exposed them in the early church even. And some of them lost their lives because they tried to deceive the Holy Spirit right there. Chapter 5. He wants to help us, not destroy us. Holy Spirit, the teacher, the advocate, the one who Jesus promised to walk alongside us. We can't do it of ourselves. You know, the war that wages in the world, the culture war. But you're mightier, you're wiser, you're stronger, and we're yours. We ask you to touch our hearts today. Help us, Lord, if we need to make that right about turn, that we'll not hesitate. We'll not wait for bad things to happen to us. We will not defy you because we love your head. But instead, we'll ask you for your help to make our hearts willing to be changed. We humble ourselves. We're nothing without you. We need you so much. Touch us, oh Lord. Touch our innermost being. Break the yokes of bondage, the things that bind us to sin and to the world. Give us the victory over sin. You conquered everything and you've made us more than conquerors because of your love. So we ask today that you'd minister to each heart. And if there's somebody here, Jesus, who has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, or someone who is backslidden, and they're wondering, should I come today? Jesus, would you draw them? I ask you to touch hearts and make them willing to be made willing. Father, minister to each one in each home today that's represented. And those that are watching us by the World Wide Web, we ask you to visit each one. Let your presence saturate. We thank you that there's none like you. And what you have done in the past, you want to do for us today. For your servant said it's for us, for your children, 
to them that are far off. We are the far off ones, God. To as many as the Lord our God shall call. Fill us again. Give us that hunger for your presence. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Is there anyone here as we close? You want to raise your hand? Hi, John. Good to see you again. Um, stay right there. Is there anyone who uh, you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You heard the message, kind of connected your heart, and you know you're supposed to do something. Is there anybody like that you'd like me to pray for you before we leave? I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. But you know what? When we receive Jesus, is a public thing. It's not a private thing. We have to make public confession of our faith. It's not a faith by itself to ourselves. We make a public confession telling the world, now I'm changing my course. I am going over the side of Jesus, the righteousness side. So it's not anything to be embarrassed about. Is there anybody you'd raise your hand? Or somebody's backslidden and you want to come back to God, you need special prayer. Amen. Let us bow our heads and as we close. Father, you see the hand or maybe other hands that I've missed. You know the heart. Would you give strength and grace? Would you give help? Bring this to sheep home, wandering, lost, or perhaps just anemic. You love her. You want to do the best for her. We ask your special grace that she'd have strength and courage to do what she knows needs to be done. Father, I pray for John in a very special way that you touch him at the point of his need. You know his request, oh God, and his desire. May you grant according to your will. May you help and encourage, oh God, and strengthen in the name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace as together we declare. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Remember, you don't have to be anemic. Get with him. Share with others. Share his love. Have a great afternoon. We don't have night service tonight. It's second Sunday. So see you on Tuesday. Amen. God bless you. And remember to pray for the campers. <laughs>